time. Welcome back to the Underground Pop Scene Underground, episode 12 of the show that is bringing you unforgiving takes, passionate opinion on all things pop culture, news, reviews, media, and more from a fan just like you. I am Jordan. I am Jordan, however you want to say it. I am your host, your producer. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show, and I am sorry to inform you it, in fact, is still the year 2020. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I could change it. I wish I could change this for you. I, I deep down inside, really wish that I could pull a magic rabbit out of my ass and change the year 2020 for you. But one thing, one thing we can all say, the Mandalorian is on the way. So help us, baby Yoda. You are our only hope. You are our only hope. Come on. Save the damn year. We need it. We need to be saved. All right, so this episode, we got a crazy thing to discuss. Something I never thought I would ever be talking about again. But lo and behold, shocking the world. Something happened. Jared Leto's Joker is coming back. It's real. It's happening. I can't believe it. And I think you either hate this or maybe you love this. I I don't know. It depends. Are you one of the Snyder Cut badasses that have to love every single thing about it, about the DCEU? and can't admit the faults that it so vehemently had, because it did have faults. It had a lot of them. That's not to say that I believe that any of the Snyder DC movies are absolute dog shit, because they're not. But what is absolute dog shit is the Suicide Squad movie. And I know there's a lot of stuff going around right now about, you know, that wasn't David Ayer's true vision, and we need to release the Ayer cut now. And I'm not going to go around and campaign for that. Not at all. But One thing I will say is I do believe Jared Leto's Joker had a ton of potential. I did not necessarily like his Joker in the Suicide Squad. I keep saying the Suicide Squad. In Suicide Squad. I didn't necessarily like that Joker in Suicide Squad. I liked scenes. Yes. There was parts about it that I liked. Yes. Did I love it? No. But more on that in DC Weekly this week is that will be the featured so-called advertised content. Yes, it will be. Uh, Some other things we got to talk about this week. WandaVision, we got some news on a release date. Now, I wouldn't call it news, but something that Disney Plus released leads me to believe something about its release date. I guess we can say that. So we got that to talk about in Marvel Weekly. Also, apparently Tony Stark already knew about alternate realities and how this was going to be a side effect of time travel. And yeah, in the Wakanda, they, they released a book, The Wakanda Files, that talks a lot about the MCU. And it's like the best thing that MCU fans have gotten this year. So they're like all over it. You know, this is the best thing in the world. We got to scour this thing and tweet and talk about it. And, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Who am I going to kid, right? I'm loving it. We do got to talk about that. So more on that. That's what we got to talk about in Marvel Weekly. Uh, we also got to talk about in Pop C Weekly, the Power Rangers universe. So we're getting an interconnected Power Rangers shared universe. And I got to be honest, I'm really sick of all these attempts at a shared universe. And if you guys know me, I'm a huge, huge original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. I love the Green Ranger, one of my all-time favorite characters ever, but I am not a fan of a Power Rangers shared universe. But more on that in Pop C Weekly. And also, back to DC Weekly for a quick second, we got to talk about Michael Keaton addressing if he will be returning as Batman in the Flash movie as he spoke on that. And some Batman set photos have been setting Twitter ablaze with who is going to be in this movie. And look, here's the thing. There is a ton of set photos coming out of the Batman. I mean, they set up in Chicago. They made it look like the Gotham that the movie is going to be taking place in. And there are set photos all over the place. I am not going to be covering every single 
one of these two million bajillion set photos that hit, but I will be talking about a couple of them. And then to close it out for this episode's Movie Mash, we're doing Movie Mash for the month of October, doing a horror movie every single episode. This episode, Movie Mash, will be Dr. Sleep. I'm excited to talk about this one because I feel like this one really is underrated and really flew under the radar. And I want to make my case for why you should be watching the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. All right, with all that said, let's kick it off with DC Weekly. It's that time again, boys and girls, for the DC <laughs> Weekly. All right. Thank you, Joker. Thank you for that introduction. And what do you know? We're going to be talking about you today. Just a different version of you. So, if you guys missed it, Jared Leto was confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter to be returning to the Snyder Cut movie, Zack Snyder's Justice League Snyder Cut movie, to reprise his Joker role. And... I did not see this coming. I really did not see this coming. I did not ever think we would ever, in a million years, ever see this Joker ever again. And I am very surprised that they gave him the green light to do that. So the first thing I thought of right away is in that Snyder Cut trailer, you can see a Joker card. It's kind of like a nightmare sequence that it, that it looks like they're setting up for when you see... The, the Hall of Justice, like, crashed down on the ground and a bunch of other Easter eggs in there. But when the Joker card flashed across the screen, I was wondering about that. Like, why would he include that in there? Is that is that just a, a subtle head nod to us? Or could that possibly maybe be setting something else up? Well, it looks like it was setting something else up. So I wonder if he has had the idea of bringing back this Joker all along. And I almost wonder if this Joker was originally planned to be in his cut of Justice League, just they hadn't brought him in yet, and then when he got canned, that kind of threw all that off the rails, and of course, you know, Joker was really bad in Suicide Squad, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I really do believe that Jared Leto has a ton of potential when it comes to that Joker character, but you need to clean it up, you got to change the look, because I hate the look, I hate the look of it, and I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of of the Joker that we got in Suicide Squad. What I am a big fan of is my belief that Jared Leto has the ability and the potential to be a much better Joker, even in that concept of the Joker. I think if you give it to Leto and give him a chance, I think he will shine. And just like Jamie Foxx Electro, he now has a chance to redeem that character. Now, can he do that in a small role in the Snyder Cut Justice League film? as I am guessing that it will be a small role. I mean, he's just in the reshoots of it, and they are extensive reshoots. And this also points to this movie being maybe even an entirely different film than his original vision of Justice League. So I wonder if HBO Max, Warner Brothers, DC, I wonder if they all went to him and said, look, we screwed you over the first time. Now, we're going to let you complete your vision, but if there's anything else you want, if there's anything else you've thought of in the meantime, here you go. You can have it. If we can get it, you can have it. So then they go to Jared Leto, right? And this this is all hypothetical. This is all speculation on my part. But but so let's say he wanted him. So then they go to Leto and they say, hey, man, I know we had a lot of plans for your Joker. I know. We screwed you too. We, we just screwed everybody. We screwed, we really, we really screwed it all up here. We effed it up. We we just, we're sorry. Here's your chance. Do you, do you want to come back? Leto's got all the reason in the world to come back 
and show people that, look, you guys did not see like 75% of the scenes that I filmed for Suicide Squad. You guys didn't see that. And I truly believe that if you did see that, you would have thought differently of my Joker. Now, you're probably never going to see that unless they do come out with the air cut, which that's a whole another side effect of this, which if he's coming back for this, does that mean that we are going to get an air cut? I have seen a huge push for an air cut of Suicide Squad online, and I actually don't want that. I think Suicide Squad is absolute dog shit. I think it's a terrible movie. Uh, it's like one, it's honestly, you can almost compare it with Catwoman. Now, now, it's not that bad. I can actually sit down and watch Suicide Squad where I cannot sit down and watch Catwoman. That, that, that really truly is a, a steaming pile of dog shit where Suicide Squad is just dog shit. You see what I'm saying? Steaming pile, dog shit, dog shit. But if you look at it from this way, Leto had every reason to come back. And if he can come back and get us a Batman v Joker scene or something like that, where he can actually really show what he thought his Joker should have been, I'm okay with that. Even if it is different than the Joker that we got in Suicide Squad, I'm okay with it. If he looks somewhat similar, I think it's okay. I think we can get past that. Now, you can also explore the BVS Joker implications where he implied that Joker killed Robin and all of their confrontations that they had before Batman v Superman. I mean, I think that would be cool to see. I think that was something about BVS that I really liked. And I am a fan of BVS. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a good movie, especially the ultimate cut. I think if you watch the ultimate cut of that movie, you will see that it really is a very well thought out movie. Now, it's not a masterpiece by any means, like a lot of people try to make it out to be on Twitter. I, I You know, it's funny because I'm like right between the people that hate all of Snyder's DC movies and the people that absolutely love and adore them and say they're the best movies in the world. I'm like right in the middle there. Like Man of Steel, great movie. I, I love Man of Steel. One of my, it's probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie of all time, but man, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm shocked that this is happening. I never thought in a million years that they would ever really ever want him to reprise that role. So, I mean, does this really show us how much leverage Zack Snyder has now because of the, the social media victory and getting his cut back up on the table? Is this because of that? Or is this because Warner Brothers realized that they really screwed the guy. They should have at least let him finish Justice League. And it's funny because I go back and think about when the news hit, and I was almost happy that he got fired and that Joss Whedon was taking over. And, and this is before we knew who Joss Whedon really was at the time. And I, I, you know, I thought that maybe Whedon could inject some of that Avengers humor in there and that it would help the movie and balance it out. But I, I was wrong. I was just flat out wrong. It did not. It ruined it. It's a Frankenstein of a movie now. And so it makes me want to go back and say, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So it makes me want to go back and say, man, Snyder should have had his ability to finish his vision. And ultimately, in the long run, it looks like it actually benefited him because now he's going to get a four-part cut of his movie. And that's great for him. That really is. And that also makes me beg the question of, I know he had like four hours of content, but are we really going to see all of that in these four parts or is he creating more and making more and adding to it? And so it's almost going to be like a Snyder Cut Plus. That's really what this is really turning out to look like to me. And I think that's okay. That's fine. I mean, I, we always want more content, right? So I think that's fine. I think this is a way of them making up what they did to him since they had to then go back and say, look, we need you to do a, a Snyder Cut or we're going to allow you to do it. The, the fan outcry has been strong enough that we we just we feel like we need to do it and we feel like we owe this to you. And so now they're giving it to him and, and they're just giving him 
his entire sandbox that really he created. I mean, all of these parts that he's working with, he had a hand in. I mean, he basically single-handedly cast Gal as Wonder Woman, and he really built the universe that we saw, that I don't think we're going to see a continuation of in the movies, necessarily, and that's why I think they're going to use Flashpoint to reset all of that. But also, another question that I have about, about all of this is, does the pandemic and the year 2020 offer the availability of these actors to now come back? If all this would not have happened, would Ben Affleck still be coming back for reshoots and going back to the Flash movie to play the character one more time? Would Jared Leto be up for actually coming back and trying to redeem his Joker character? Because the availability of a lot of these actors, there are now a lot more av available than they normally would be. I mean, movies are still being made, don't get me wrong, but not on the scale that they were. And even the movies that are being shot are being shot in rough conditions where, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say rough conditions, but careful, careful treading conditions. Where, you know, it, it, it probably takes a lot longer to film these things. I mean, you got to take a lot more precautions now. So, is, is the fact that these guys are a lot more available making it possible for this to happen? I think the answer to that is yes. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that actually could be a redeeming factor of 2020. Now, I don't want to say the pandemic and the people that have lost their lives are worth any of this. Because it's not. I mean, obviously, I would give all of this back if we could give you know, these 200 and I think 23,000 people dead it is now, if we could give them back their lives and not get any of this, I would gladly, I would gladly do that. But I mean, if you're looking for a silver lining, maybe this is one right here. And I'm not trying to tell you that movies are, are as important as life because they're not, they're just not. But you know, movies are important. And, and throughout this depressing time, we've got to look for some kind of light. And if you can find it through movies and the ability for these characters to come back and for you to see them again as a good thing from it, then by all means, go ahead. I mean, we're all struggling right now. We, we need things to, to keep us happy, and, and we don't get a lot of that nowadays. So, you know, take it for what it is. But I, I'm just shocked that Jared Leto's Joker is back. I, I can't believe it. I can't. I, I really can't believe it. I, this might be the most shocking news movie-wise that we have had this year, I think it's even more shocking than Jamie Foxx Electro coming back. Because I think MCU, I think the Marvel Universe and Kevin Feige have full confidence in, them, in themselves that if they were going to bring Jamie Foxx back, they know what they're going to do and they, they have full-hearted confidence that it will work. I'm not necessarily sure you can say that about Jared Leto's Joker. I mean, well, actually, you know what? Let's compare the two. Jamie Foxx Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2 versus Jared Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad. Which one's worse? Which one's worse? I think the answer is Jamie Foxx Electro. Uh, and, and that has nothing to do with Jamie Foxx and everything to do with the way he was written, the way he looks, the terrible lines he had, the silliness and goofiness of it. I mean, if you go and look at the Joker, at least it's a, a, a little more believable. And I think it was acted better. And I think Jared Leto is a... He, this guy is an Oscar-winning actor, guys. This guy... He's an actor. I mean, he was so, so good. So damn good in Dallas Buyers Club. He pulled that role off brilliantly. And he has been good in so many other roles. And so for me to not believe that he couldn't come back and do a better job, I, I just, I think I'd be crazy if I said that. Now, I understand a lot of you are not going to like this. And a lot of you are going to say, this is terrible. What are you doing, Snyder? What are you doing, Warner Brothers? Why are you bringing this Joker back? And I, I think if you really look at everything, 
I think you're right. And I think you have the better argument because he was not good in Suicide Squad. That Joker was almost a freaking disaster. And that's not the Joker that I'm campaigning for here. I'm campaigning for the Joker that could be. That I do believe Jared Leto has the ability to be, to play. I mean, Jared Leto, he he went as far to take it to, you know, character acting when he was just sending those, you know, weird gifts to people. And he really took that role on. And I just think it would be a shame to throw it all away with the seven minutes of screen time or so that he got in Suicide Squad. I think he had a lot more to show. I really do. And I feel like maybe we could see a part of that, even if it's a small part of that in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, if for nothing else, but to see what he could possibly do with another shot at the role. I am really curious, though, if he's going to look the same or are they going to do the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey treatment with him and remove a lot of his tattoos and change his appearance. I think that's what they should do. I think that's definitely what they should do. I mean, Justice League takes place after Suicide Squad. So you can do it. You can change his character a little bit. You can retcon it a little bit, and you can change it a little bit. You can say he's evolved. You can just flat out get rid of the tattoos. I don't think that if you change his appearance to look more like a standard Joker from the comics, that anybody would complain about that. I don't. And if you do complain about that, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. Is Zack Snyder going to do that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that Joker is Snyder's vision of Joker either. So are they going to bring Leto back in and change him to fit more of Snyder's vision of Joker? I would like to see that because look, Snyder and Affleck's Batman is my all-time favorite Batman. The bat suit fighting and his combat skills and I love that Batman. And I would love to see that earlier year Batman. Now, we're never going to get that. Uh, it, well, you know what? After this year and after this news and the, the Electro news, I will never say never ever again. But I'm really curious to see how this is going to pan out. I hope we get some kind of set photo leaks from it because I just want an idea of what they're going to do with Leto's Joker or maybe even a promotional official release of his updated look. I think that could get fans excited and hyped again. And, you know, I I just want to reiterate, just because what you saw in Suicide Squad was so bad does not mean that Leto does not have the ability to play a better Joker. Even if it's the same type of Joker that he's playing, but it looks a little different. I don't know. I mean, everybody likes and hates different things, right? You're going to get people that are going to hate it and like it either way. But either way, I'm very curious to see what they are going to do with this Joker. Also, on the Snyder Cut Justice League front, it looks like Jeff Johns and John Berg will not be receiving producer credits on this movie, and I actually think that's a good thing. Uh, With the allegations going on right now between Ray Fisher and Jeff Johns and John Berg and Joss Whedon and all of them, you know, he's got a beef with all of them right now. I think it actually is in your best interest not to include them in this movie. Jeff Johns has other allegations levied against him. Joss Whedon has other allegations levied against him from multiple people. It's not just Ray Fisher. So I actually do think you are doing yourself a service by not including them here. Now, there's things about the story that we just don't know. And so I can't pass judgment on what actually went down. And I don't want to speculate on that because it's a serious matter. But I think... To play it safe, this is the way to go and a way to play it safe. So with that, let's move on. All right, next up in DC Weekly here, Michael Keaton was asked while on Jimmy Kimmel Live if he could confirm 
that he would be playing Batman in the upcoming Flash movie. Keaton said he could not, but that it's being talked about. He said, I can't confirm anything. He went on to then ask Jimmy Kimmel if he were a comic book guy, which prompted Kimmel to joke about his confirmation that he's playing Kraven the Hunter in Marvel Spider-Man 3, which was a joke. But then Keaton explained that he is in discussions for The Flash. He said, so we're having discussions, as they say. We're talking about it. We'll see if that happens. He then went on to uh, joke about all 127 previous Batman uh, will appear in that movie and then declared himself to be the best one. I do think that a deal will get done. I think he is casting a little bit of a shadow of doubt on it uh, because it does look like talks are still going on. And I guess, you know, it was never truly confirmed by Warner Brothers that Keaton would actually be in the movie. Uh, Reports came out that he was in talks and it looks like it still is not truly officially confirmed. So I think there could be a little bit of doubt uh, shed on this thing, but I do think they will ultimately get a deal done for sure. And it's even possible that they are done with the deal, but Keaton just can't reveal any of that. So, you know, take it however way you want. But I do think a deal will ultimately get done. At least I hope so, because man, I cannot tell you how excited I am to potentially see Ben Affleck's Batman and Michael Keaton's Batman in the same movie with The Flash. I can't tell you. I I can I literally cannot put it into words how excited I would be for that. Now, I think I did put it into words back on the second episode of this show, or maybe, it, no, 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 it was the first. It was episode one, Batfleck Returns. Yeah, I remember. Now I remember. See, memory's getting a little hazy here, but, uh, but no, seriously, I, I am just thrilled. I am beyond thrilled that we could possibly see that. So hopefully this does get finished up and Keaton and Affleck do appear in the upcoming Flash movie. I'm going to go absolutely nuts when that happens. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. All right, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but a, a big batch of the Batman set photos hit very recently. And I'll talk about a few of them. One of them that actually intrigued me was a photo of Penguin on a motorbike in a high-stakes chase scene, possibly. And in this scene, a camera is mounted and rigged to the back of the Penguin's motorbike. So that could indicate that the filmmakers intend for this Penguin motorcycle chase scene to be a point-of-view scene. But I think it does uh, set the scene for a very exciting chase. You can never take too much from these set photos because you, you don't know the context. You don't know what's really going on. You're only seeing these low-grade, low-quality photos. So you can never really take too much from them uh, other than a little bit of guidance on what you could potentially see in the movie. I mean, when you really think about it, this scene could actually be entirely cut from the movie. So maybe it's not even going to be there. So I don't like to speculate and look into set photos all that much. Uh, I think they're a lot better to see what kind of costumes characters are wearing and what actors are where at certain times. Uh, but to speculate any further of that, uh, I don't think is very smart because you're almost never right. Now, we did see some Justice League characters. And as we all know, this is a, a movie that is set in its own universe. And in these set photos, we saw an extra spotted wearing Superman's costume. Now, in the set photo, the extra who is wearing the suit is allegedly part of filming a Halloween party sequence. But what has not been clarified is, is the Man of Steel an actual established hero like Batman in this world? 
or is he simply a fictional character published in comics in this world? Based on the design of the costume, it's very reminiscent of Christopher Reeves' suit, as this cape has the classic yellow S on the back, which many live-action Superman versions haven't gone with, but Christopher Reeves' suit did. Now, if Superman does exist here as a full-fledged hero, it would also be the first time in a long time that the Man of Steel is also sporting the red trunks again. Now, this suit does not look like an elaborate superhero costume, so I think we can safely say that this is probably a Halloween outfit. Now, we also saw another member of the iconic DC Trinity. We saw Wonder Woman. Now, this was another individual that was dressed up as Wonder Woman, and ironically, she is spotted hanging out with the extra in the Superman costume, amplifying the possibilities of this being for a Halloween party that is taking place in Gotham City. Now, this Easter egg, like the Superman one, is also shrouded in mystery for now, as it's really not known if the extra is dressed up as a hero that exists in the Batman's world or in fiction once again. It would definitely be difficult to imagine what else this setting could be for if not a Halloween party, so I'm pretty sure it would be a Halloween party, but you never know. Like I said, with set photos, you never know. These may not even make it into the final cut of the movie, but nonetheless, it's very interesting to see. Now, the next Justice League member that the Batman set photos have also teased is Flash. In a set photo of a ripped poster, Flash's Lightning Bolt logo can be seen on the top corner. What's interesting about this particular Speedster logo, though, is that it doesn't necessarily tease Barry Allen. Now, this design is more of a reference to Wally West, who took over the mantle after Barry's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and in the comics, Wally has a single bolt on his chest, unlike Barry, who has three. And I'm talking about the crossovers on the bolt, like when it comes down, it slides over, it comes down, slides over, it comes down, but with the Wally West one, it's like one single bolt. That, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm referencing here. And in my opinion, it would be a very refreshing idea to have Wally West as a Flash in a DC live-action universe instead of Barry Allen like we get with the current Flash we have now and with the Barry Allen Flash in the CW Arrowverse. So I think it would be awesome to get Wally West as a live-action Flash here. And if he is in this universe as Flash, that could even potentially set up for Wally West Flash to meet Ezra Miller's Barry Allen Flash in a crossover or a Crisis on Infinite Earths, one might say. Uh, no, I'm not sure I would want to see that again so soon. But a lot of Easter eggs emerging from these set photos. And like I said, I, I don't have time to go through every single one of them. But we also did get a Gotham City logo, which was pretty cool to see. And we did see that it may be revealing that the movie is set in 2019. So that's technically in the past. Uh, looks like the movie, just like all of us, would like to avoid the year 2020. So, it is now time to hit up Marvel Weekly. Parker, turn on the radio or something. Too damn quiet in here. Sure thing, Mr. Jameson. Alright, I've only got a couple of things for you here in Marvel Weekly. The first one has to deal with WandaVision. So, I had initially reported on a story that in Disney Plus's landing page source code, it was revealed that WandaVision would be hitting in November of 2020. Well, that does not look like that's the case because Disney Plus recently 
revealed a trailer that showed everything coming in November, and WandaVision was not included there. So you would think that if WandaVision was going to come out in November, that that would be the time that they would announce it and they would include it there. Now, that doesn't necessarily rule out 100% the possibility that it would be coming in November, but I think you can be pretty, pretty sure that it's not going to be hitting in November, but that does not mean that it will not still come in 2020 as December could be a prime spot for them to release that, which was its initial release date before COVID-19 hit. So it looks like they maybe want to keep that release date. Uh, it was actually looked like that might even get pushed up a little bit. That still could happen. I do still think it will come because I don't think Marvel wants to go an entire year without dropping anything, anything from the MCU, which if they don't drop WandaVision, there won't be anything. And the last bit of news I got for you in Marvel Weekly this week is the fact that Tony Stark knew that removing the Infinity Stones from the past could create alternate timelines. So if we go to the Wakanda Files and look at that book, it reveals a lot of cool things. So the idea of the multiverse featured in Endgame's plot will likely play a much larger role in the MCU going forward with Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as that title just flat out implies. But in the wake of the Infinity Saga's epic conclusion and the heightened MCU focus on Disney Plus series, embracing the multiverse as a main point from now on could be precisely what this franchise needs to stay fresh and exciting. And now it looks like if you look at the Wakanda Files book, we now know that Tony Stark knew this all along. He was aware of the multiverse and the ramifications that time travel would probably bring. So if you go to the book, it includes communication from Tony Stark to Bruce Banner regarding the time-space GPS. And in that message, he says that, quote, altering events of the past could never affect the continuous loop, though it could create split timelines. Now, it makes sense that someone as smart and well-researched as Tony Stark was would have considered these sorts of possibilities. However, it seems that he really wasn't too concerned with the idea at the time because he also says, let's not worry about that for the time being, right? One reality at a time for all our sanity. Now, given Tony's reluctance to engage in the time heist at the beginning of Endgame, it's interesting to see more insight into just how thoroughly he considered the plan's ramifications before going through with it. I mean, throughout the movie, Tony's arc is very much about coming to terms with his complete legacy and what he's going to leave behind. It's part of what made his final sacrifice so striking to all of us longtime fans. So I think the fact that he thought about this very carefully and knew this before he went ahead and decided to go forward with all this makes that end scene where he passes away hit home even more. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit that I kind of wanted to talk about here. So there we go. We talked about it. We're done. Let's move on to Popsy Weekly and talk about some mother freaking Power Rangers, baby. All right. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, right around there, I am a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. I grew up on Power Rangers. The Green Ranger is, well, at least when I was a kid, was one of the biggest characters that I looked forward to seeing every Saturday, every week. I loved him. I I loved the monster designs. I loved the concept of Lord Zed and Rita. And I thought, Gold, I still think Goldar is one of the coolest looking creatures, monsters, characters, whatever you want to call them 
I think he looks so cool, even to this day. And Power Rangers Legacy action figure line actually has a really, really cool Goldar figure that is great. It's phenomenal. If you're a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan, you got to pick that one up. But I, I'm just, Power Rangers are deep in my soul. They lie at the center of my heart. So anything that has to do with them, I will always follow carefully. And when, when the movie came out, the, the big feature film movie came out in 2017, I was a fan of it. I actually liked that movie. I thought it was a good movie, all in all. It's not the perfect movie. It's not a great movie by any means. But if you're a Power Rangers fan, I think you can take solace in knowing that that film does offer something for you. Now, it took a lot of time for the action to get going. And I think the budget may have had something to do with that. But I thought that... I, I thought they did a really good job of building the team, building the characters, bringing them together, and then that huge scene at the end, the Goldar was terrible. Don't even talk to me about that Rita and Goldar, they were god-awful. But overall, I did enjoy the movie. I did like it. Now it looks like they are not going to be continuing with that Power Rangers concept, and they are going to be moving forward with a whole different concept. So back in 2018, Hasbro purchased the Power Rangers franchise from Saban. And that was a big, big, huge move. Huge move. Saban had always owned Power Rangers for the longest time. And now finally, Hasbro was going to get their hands on it. So they have actually been developing a Power Rangers feature film reboot for a couple years now. But that's not the only change in store for the famous franchise now. Jonathan and Twistle has been tapped to direct the upcoming movie reboot, which will hopefully launch a new franchise during the Hasbro era. A new report by THR reveals that the end of the effing world and I'm not okay with this creator, Jonathan and Twistle, will also oversee and direct both film and television adaptions for the series moving forward. That is a huge shift for the franchise. And Twistle will be a conductor of a connected story universe that will expand across multiple platforms, meaning there will now be ties between TV and film. I am not the biggest fan of this because... I cannot watch current day Power Rangers. It's terrible. It's awful. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was terrible and awful. I can't watch that. So if you're telling me that the TV show is going to stay the same, it's going to stay the same kitty, you know, and that's good for the kids, but I'm talking about for me here, me, adult Jordan. So if you're telling me that the TV show is going to be as quirky and funny and just flat out stupid as it is now, that it's going to connect with the live action feature film. I think you're telling me that it's not going to be a very serious take on the Power Rangers. Now, I could be wrong, and that that's even pointed to with the guy that they're giving to, to oversee this whole thing, that they're getting to oversee this whole thing. But even if that's not the case, and the movies are going to be more serious, do you have to then watch the TV show as well to understand the movie? I don't ever think that's a great idea, because you're really isolating your audience to the people that are hardcore fans, and you're not making it accessible to the broad range of people that you need to bring a lot of money into a box office, into a movie, how, however you distribute it, you know, streaming, box office, however. You need large audiences to bring in large amounts of money, and I don't think you're going to get that doing it this way. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe targeting just the kids is going to get them to bring all their parents just like it did to get all their parents to buy all those toys in the 90s. You got to go watch the toys that made us. The Power Ranger episode is great. They all are, and the movies that made us as well. But I cannot wait for the new season of that, you know, now that we're talking about it. But going back to the Power Rangers thing, my main point here, actually, at the end of all this, is the fact that we have seen time and time again, everybody except for the original Universal Monsters and the MCU, 
Besides that, I don't think anybody has been successful at a shared universe. And you're telling me that the Power Rangers are going to be the ones to do it? Now, I'm a hardcore Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan, but don't get me wrong. I am under no belief that the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is going to be the next great film shared interconnected universe. I just don't see it. As much of a fan as I am, I just don't see it. So, you know, I like to say that I, I want to be wrong about a lot of things because I, I try to look at things from a, real, from a realistic aspect now instead of things that I want to happen or just get overly excited about something just because it, you know, it, it meant a big part to my childhood. We've seen time and time again, things that meant a lot to people in their childhood come out and be terrible movies. You know, Transformers, great example. So I'm just hoping that doesn't happen here. But even if it does, I've got the 2017 film and I've got the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers shows to watch. So this news is kind of exciting to me, but I, I definitely, I'm definitely worried about it. That's for sure. But I like who they got to oversee the whole thing. That does give me hope. So we will see going forward. Maybe this is going to turn out to be something good. Maybe. But either way, it's big news for Power Rangers fans. No matter who you are, if you're a Power Ranger fan in some kind of aspect, this is still big news for you. So us Ranger fans, it's a good day. It, it's a good day to celebrate because we got some Ranger news. It's not every day we get some Power Ranger news. So whether it's good, whether it's bad, no matter what you think of what it could be, it's good news. It's good news, right? All right. All right, guys, let's move on. We're going to hit up Movie Mash and talk about Dr. Sleep, and then we'll end this thing. But yeah, Halloween, very, very close. It's coming up, guys. Ooh, I'm excited. All right, Movie Mash. Alright, for this episode's Movie Mash, let's take a quick look back at Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Now, this movie sports a 77% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for the uh, tomato meter, and an 89% for the audience score. Now, this movie, I think, is better than that, even. I think this movie was completely underrated and was completely missed when it was at the box office. It only brought in like $35 million, and, I, and I'm estimating there. But that's not a big haul for a box office movie, especially a movie of this caliber that, you know, took some money to make it and has some big people in there. I mean, Rebecca Ferguson did really good in this film. It's a great movie, and it brought in $31.6 I just looked it up. So $31.6 million. That, that's not a lot for a big-time movie like this. But Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Cliff Curtis is in it. He does really good in it. This movie was phenomenal. I was surprised and shocked by this movie when I saw it. I thought it was so good. Incredible, incredible film. The explorations of alcoholism and post-traumatic stress disorder were really good. The evil steam-sucking killers, it, that somehow turns into being one of the most gripping, edge-of-your-seat, jaw-dropping horror films ever made. You know, when you, when you read that, evil steam-sucking killers, how stupid does that sound? But when you see it on screen... It's brilliant. It's incredible. The phenomenal callbacks to The Shining tie in flawlessly with this new story that revolves around Danny Torrance, and the acting is perfect. Even the actors and actresses that were cast to reprise the iconic roles of Shelley Duvall, Jack Nicholson, Danny Lloyd, Scatman Crothers, they were unreal. They were so good, especially the actress that was brought in to play Wendy Torrance. And Henry Thomas, who was brought in to play Jack Torrance, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. And Mike Flanagan, who directed this, who also created The Haunting of Bly Manor and The Haunting of Hill House, 
is at this point a a horror legend. This man, I I mean, I forgot that he did this movie. And when I saw that, I was like, wait a second, he did this too? So you're telling me he did this and Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor? And that's not it. He's got a lot of other things in his portfolio too. This man, no matter what, uh, I don't care what he does down the road, I'm going to watch it from now on for sure. Now, let's talk about the villain of Rose the Hat. I am at a loss for words of describing how beautiful yet terrifying Rebecca Ferguson played this character. I mean, she pulls off the cult vibe 100%. She kills it. Absolutely kills it. I mean, she. I think she becomes one of the best villains of all time. Not the best, but definitely one of the best. Rose the Hat is terrifying in this thing. And there is a, a scene in this where a little boy gets killed, and it is one of the most terrifying, uncomfortable, sick scenes I have ever seen in a movie, but it works here. It actually works here. And the Newton brothers masterfully create musical tones and themes from The Shining, and the editing room did a knockout job with the sounds and transitions from the 1980 film. Overall, with this fresh story combined with, with nostalgic callbacks to the original movie, Dr. Sleep pulls off a perfect sequel, in my opinion, and the way Mike Flanagan expands on the lore and characters of The Shining Universe, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And I'm going to rate this thing real quick, and I think you can tell by my enthusiasm and what I think about this movie, what I'm going to give it. But if you, if you, if this is your first time listening, the way I rate things is I rate them in honor of my favorite TV show of all time, The Office. So if I absolutely love it, it's a killer. It knocks it out of the park. You cannot miss it. I give it the infamous Undie Award, which is basically a Dundee Award from The Office, but an Undie for Underground. I also give things a Stanley if it's middle of the road, if it's if it's good, but you can miss it. I'll give it a Stanley. And if it's absolute, a steaming pile of dog shit trash, it gets a Toby. But I also give them a five item rating. So think of it like a five star rating, but a five item rating. So for this movie, it is definitely getting an Undie Award, and I will give it five hats out of five. Five hats out of five. All right, guys, that will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I ended the last episode on this note, and I'm going to end this episode on this note as well. Listen, if you do not respect other people's opinions, I'm sorry, but you're shit. You have to respect other people's opinions. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. I don't care if it doesn't vibe with yours. I don't care if it's completely different than yours. It's their opinion. It's not yours. Respect it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it, but you do need to respect it. Do not call people out for things that they have opinions on and tell them that they're wrong because you technically don't know that. That's why it's called an opinion. And I want to stress this so much because I see this every day on social media and it's just wrong. It's just not correct. People have a right to their own opinion. All of us were born and we have all lived through life, so we all have earned our own opinion. Now I will get off my soapbox. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow me, you can do so on social media, on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of it, at PopCUnderground. That is at PopCUnderground. You can also email the show at PopCUnderground at gmail.com. You can tip the show if you feel inclined. There is a tip jar link at the bottom of the show notes in uh, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and all that. There's a tip jar link down there. There's also a website link if you want to check out the website. It just has all of our episodes in a stylistic fashion, I guess. So you can go check that out. 
but uh, you can also leave an Apple Podcast review. That is the best thing you can do for the show, besides tipping it, I guess, so I can get a new mic. I definitely need a new mic. Uh, Sorry for the sound quality if it's affecting you. Uh, I definitely need a new mic. But you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and please do so if you have not, as that is a huge way to help the show. It lets people find me better. It helps people go and see exactly what the show's about without having to listen to it. So I would really appreciate it if you go and do that. But if not, you're still welcome to come back to the show. (laughs) All right, guys, once again, I am Jordan. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate it more than you will ever know. I do this for you. I do this for me. I do it for all of us. If you suffer from anxiety, go get some help for it. Please, please do so because it can ruin your life. If you don't know it's anxiety, and I know this is kind of out of left field, but if you don't know it's anxiety, you're going to think you're dying. It happened to me. If you feel like you might possibly be suffering from anxiety, please go see someone about it. You owe it to yourself, and I promise you, your life will get a thousand times better. Guys, thank you for listening. I will see you guys on the next episode. Until then, take it easy. I will see you then. Later.